Association welcomes you to the Art Box, recorded in beautiful Virgin Valley, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, Mesquite, Nevada, and find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com. Hosting today's episode is Rochelle Knight and Steve Dudrow. Let's go have some fun. Welcome to the Art Box. Rochelle is back from her cruise. Hi, Rochelle. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How was the cruise? Absolutely wonderful. We had sunshine every day. We saw wells. We saw all kinds of wildlife. It was just beautiful and not one drop of rain the whole time. And I went to Alaska. Sorry, I should probably so people know <laughs> but it is a big deal where I went that we didn't have rain. So yeah, it was in the inside passage going to Alaska. Oh, cool. So whales and no puffins. No puffins. They, we were too far south, they said. It's too hot where we were. But we saw otters and orcas, seals, of course, and sea lions, bald eagles, all kinds of great stuff. And then when you got home, what happened? I had a little gift. There were six of us that went together, six people in my family. My brother-in-law started not feeling well a day before we got back to San Francisco. He just stayed in his room. He took three different COVID tests before the last one came back positive. And by the time we left, we actually had to get him a wheelchair to get him off the ship. And then we slowly started dropping <laughs> one by one till, and you know, it took probably three days after that for my mom, who was the last one to get COVID. So we all, every single day, we shared pictures of our COVID tests <laughs> and all six of us ended up getting COVID. We definitely had, I think, the BA5 variation, which is definitely much less severe. It was still not great. And I had a couple of pretty miserable days. We were all very lucky. My my sister and her and my brother-in-law are still struggling a bit, but the rest of us are have bounced back. And now we've joined the COVID club. Do you know what? It was worth it. I would have COVID 10 times over just to go on that cruise again. So no worries. I feel so left out so far. No <laughs> hey, I got the t-shirt. I survived COVID. Oh, did you get a t-shirt? No, I'm being funny. Oh, okay. Yeah, I should know your sense of humor. Today, we're at the Mesquite Cancer Help Society, and we have Mary Grace Smith with us. Mary Grace, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I born and raised in Bountiful, Utah, and never strayed too far from there until about 2013 when I moved to Mesquite, Nevada, to downsize my home and be closer to my mother. I absolutely love this town and the small town feel and the camaraderie that we have here. A couple of years ago, however, I did move to St. George, Utah for the fact that my husband was working in St. George and I needed him to be closer to work. I currently live in St. George and travel to Mesquite three days a week to be here at the office. I have one child. He lives in northern Utah and one beautiful grandchild who is my angel on earth. 
a lot of my focus goes to her. She's a special little spirit. We're 50 years apart, but sometimes you wouldn't know it by by listening to our conversations. We have a lot of fun together and have a great connection. I've been with Skeet Cancer Help Society for four, four years now. I have grown with them. It's quite different than what I've been in in the past. I graduated from the University of Utah with a bachelor's degree in business management. My career was in human resources management and training development. I did 20 years, then left. Then I had a cleaning business, which actually is the way I got through college is by cleaning houses. It's something that I love, and I know that not a lot of people love that. I found it to be very, very profitable, very rewarding. I loved being an extension of people's families because I was in their intimate space and cleaning their homes. But as age progressed and some health issues, I had to let that go to some degree. In addition to that, I also did a lot of pet sitting. And I am a huge, huge dog lover. If you look at my Facebook page, 98% of it has to do with dogs, rescues, dogs being adopted, dogs finding their lost home, things like that. I love that. (laughs) Mary, tell us a little bit about the Mesquite Cancer Help Society, maybe about your mission and how it came about. Okay. Mesquite Cancer Help Society was started by Yoli Bell 22 years ago here in Mesquite. She started out by, because she had her own journey, she wanted to give back. And my understanding is she she would just go visit people who had cancer and talk to them. And this was before the internet. This was before people had all the resources at hand and small little office, shared office to where we are now. And what we do is we serve the um, Mesquite area, surrounding areas, scenic um, parts of Arizona, um, down to Moapa. And we assist cancer patients um, with financial, emotional, um, the whole journey um, as a whole. We help them go through a lot of different trials and in addition to their illness we help a lot with even going through people's bills and helping them understand them and realizing what was paid and what wasn't paid and then we can assist them going forward we do a lot of events and fundraising one thing that makes us unique is that we are we've we've never received grants all of our monies come from donations and fundraisers so that is something oh, that, that's fantastic yes and we we've we try i personally try as the executive director to keep overhead to a minimum uh, make use of what we have frugality in me comes out a lot but I think it, it serves me well in that respect. We do things even as far as have a therapist that people can talk with, that, that family members who are struggling with somebody with cancer. It's a very wide and open journey, and everyone's is a little different. And so 
because we are small, um, we are able to meet one-on-one and stay one-on-one with people who are going through cancer, people whose families are struggling because somebody is going through cancer. And I'm quite proud of the fact that we can remain small and intimate in those ways, as opposed to not allowing those people to feel like they're heard and understood. And maybe we don't fully understand, but we accept. Sometimes people just really need someone to talk to that's outside of their own little world. People will come in just just to talk. I find that so enriching because I learn so much from people, just their experiences and having them share their experiences teaches me so much. We have a great community here that gets involved with so many things. And I think people who live here see that. Annually, we typically have had, mainly prior to COVID, an annual golf tournament that quite honestly was our biggest event. And that event would carry us through many months going forward. The Fire and Rescue Department does an annual t-shirt drive sale. They design a t-shirt each year and then they sell them and the proceeds go to us. That's something that we do regularly. I'm trying to incorporate some new ideas as to fundraising and exposure to the public because interestingly enough, there's a lot of people who have lived in this community for a long time who do not know that we're here. I personally want to bridge that a little bit and attend events that may not necessarily be a a fundraising event, but for instance, I spoke with a rotary group. They invited me to the music at the library, which is, is not going to be a major event for fundraising, but I think the more people know that we're here, the better we can serve. And that, that's for clients as well as people people who do want to help a worthy cause. Again, you never know when, when cancer does strike. It, it, it has no boundaries. It's nice when people can say, you know, I think there's a, a something around here that helps, or I've heard of heard of a, a program or a, a nonprofit that helps people go check them out. So that's part of my goal is to keep our name or get our name out there and let them know we're still here. We've been here for 22 years. I've developed a web page, a Facebook page. I am slightly good at several things. And so it, it takes me a little bit longer, but I've your proof that you reached out to us on our website because there was a chat part. Those are ways that we're, we're working as well to get more well-known. Yeah, and you got right back to me. See, because that's again part of my personality. <laughs> I do, I do like to be very responsive. I make, I feel that that makes people, or helps people know that we really do care. They're not, they're not. Even though we do help people, especially financially, for example, it, it's what we're here to do, and. I even have people who say, I feel guilty for taking this. It's like, no, that, that's what Yoli started this for, is to give those people that. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Yoli? She has been in this community, I think, well, well over 22 years, but not, not her whole life. She is a breast cancer survivor, and that was what kind of got her started. She's quite knowledgeable. She's very well-read. 
She knows many, many people and is well known by many people in this community. So a lot of times people don't necessarily register Mesquite Cancer Help Society, but Yoli Bell, they register that as the Cancer Society. And and that's actually what got us coming here. You know, we talked about that we should do something for October and somebody brought up Yoli's name. Yes. Yes. It's she's very well known. She she's the founder, is an advisor on our board of directors. She doesn't necessarily want to be in the office because she likes to be out and about seeing people and um so she keeps the name going as well. And she leaves the social media to you then. Absolutely. Because I, you know, like I say, I, I know enough to be dangerous. That's kind of one of my sayings. But I'll figure it out or find someone to help me figure it out. When I read over the website, which is very, it's beautiful. I read her biography and I was struck that not only is she a survivor, but she has quite the history of, of uh, her family having cancer. And so she went through a lot with them. When you hear all these stories, it's mm-hmm. just, and everyone has one. Mm-hmm. Cancer has touched everyone. everybody's life in some way, mm-hmm. even if they don't have it themselves, but right. family members and friends. And I was really touched by what she's gone through yes. in her life, not only herself, but people around her. Mm-hmm. I was going to say too, that just going back to a few things that you touched on, as far as the the fact that you can talk to these people, especially one-on-one. And I think no one plans cancer. And so everyone who gets it, it's a surprise and it's overwhelming. When I say that you don't plan for it, that's financially, that's emotionally. You don't schedule time. Okay, my life needs to stop so that I can now do this 100%. Mm-hmm. And you still have a life. If you have kids, you have to cook for them and you have to clean your house. And right. this, it, it, everything just gets so incredibly disruptive. People are overwhelmed and they're scared. And they don't know what the future holds. And, you know, and I think it's really easy to get very pessimistic and, and you just see dark skies ahead. Mm-hmm. And so I think just having the affirmation from other people, and especially you guys, I'm sure have seen every different type of cancer, every different age. You have so much experience and to be a neutral third party, that's what I always call in a therapy is, has got to be just such a gift to people who are starting out on this pretty rough journey. And Mm -hmm. so I I think that's wonderful that, that you can have that time and those resources to provide for people because I have my own story and I recognize certain things that you're saying. And I I just look back on my story and, and how it affected me and my family. And, and we definitely could have used that kind of resource. I think the center I went through was great. It was here in Salt Lake, but it was bigger and they had so many people and they didn't have that kind of resource to give to individual people that you could go do group therapy, but surmises that you're going to want to talk about your individual stuff with other people there. And I think that actually can be very helpful too. So I'm not discounting that by any means, but I think it's great that you do have those one-on-one resources. I think that's just got to be such a comfort for people. Yes. And, and they tell me that a lot because not only are they overwhelmed with the diagnosis, but like you said, you don't realize, well, how am I going to, I can't work. I've got to go to chemo. I, you know, do I have time off? Do you know how I'm, how am I going to make ends meet? But also right. just making sense of the whole, 
how things progress. It's like all of a sudden they're being hit with these medical terminology. You know, you're getting a CT. Well, we need you to go for a PET. Well, we need to, you know, what's your, what's your PSI? I mean, there's what stage is it? You know, all these things that maybe seem simple after you know what they are, but if you've never been exposed to them and the process and all of that, that's one thing that we can at least, without being medical experts by any means, we can at least explain what some things mean and and how that goes along in the process. And I know from from my experience, it was kind of a a long thing to just trying to get diagnosed. And when I finally did get the actual lab biopsy back, it was, I had to go get it. And it didn't come from my doctor just because it was taking a long time and I I couldn't sit on my hands anymore and wait. Mm -hmm. And I got that report, which of course I'm not a doctor and it was all these medical terms and they were giving gradations of my tumor and always everything that they graded or gave a score to mine was the worst and there's just all these scary you know carcinoma carcinoma all these just different horrible terms and so I was by myself and then I had to google everything and Mm -hmm. that's google's not your friend a lot of times I think with, with this kind of stuff that would have been so helpful for me to be able to go somewhere and say here here's this paper's tell me how bad it is. Tell me what this looks like. Right. And so, and especially too, I think you guys have got to be so knowledgeable because there's just so many cancers out there and they're all their own disease. Cancer isn't just this one overarching thing. And so a lot of people say we need to cure cancer. Well, every single type, I mean, breast cancer, I think there's five or six types of breast cancer and they each have their own uh, treatments. And so I think that's great that you guys can talk to, if you have lymphoma or testicular cancer, or pancreatic cancer, you can say, okay, well, here's the treatments you can expect and different mm-hmm. chemos have mm-hmm. different side effects. And so, yeah, I think that that would be so helpful. We we even um, broke it down to questions. We, we just print them out, give them a copy of questions to ask your doctor, because again, they're so beside themselves. They don't even know what to ask. They are fairly simple questions, but it, it's just something that your mind is is going around and around and around. They just need a, something to guide them, even for their doctor's appointments. Spouses, parents, I mean, they, their journey is, is, very emotional as well and also because they just want to help and make it better they they find themselves in a lot of hurt and and seeking out um and you know sometimes we don't offer this service but they will seek it out and i i am getting to know many people and seeing where the resources are so that i i can refer them and and in my mind, that's helpful to them as well. Yeah, Rochelle, I'm 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 sure it was it was tough on Jeff, Sam, and Holden. Oh, and I yeah, I was just gonna say I think back uh, towards my or back to my journey, and my mom was able to come to, uh, up from Mesquite and stay with us, and so I had chemotherapy every other week, so she would come up from a chemo week and help me go through the sickness. And then a lot of times by my off week, I was able to take care of myself. 
and my husband had sole responsibility for our kids. My kids were six and eight at the time. And of course he had to keep a full-time job. I look back on that. And even when I was going through it, just seeing what my family went through. Mm -hmm. And I always used to say, I would so much rather be the cancer person Mm -hmm. than have to be the caregiver because how scary and it's out of their control and they watch this horrible thing happen. And I think it's for a lot of people, it's probably worse to be a family member and a caregiver rather than the patient themselves. And I, and I don't mean that to sound cold or anything, but I think the emotions and just the fact that there's nothing you can do, right. I think that's got, that's just, it's got to be heart wrenching. And I know the cancer center that I went through had quite a few groups for the just for the caregivers and I think that's something that people don't even think about that they probably even need more therapy more more talk therapy than the patient themselves just and they need to understand as a as a patient people are taking care of you and so you don't necessarily have to understand every single thing that's going to happen where your caregivers got to worry about okay I need to have these certain foods or just different whatever to take care right. of this person right. and so they have to understand what is this treatment going to do to them what does that look like um what what are the the gotchas you know as far as when I went if you had a temperature that was just over a hundred it was an emergency and you had to call, even if it's two in the morning, you have to call and, and, and start a process of, of dealing with that because you don't have an immune system anymore, usually with chemotherapy. And, mm-hmm. and so that's the stuff, that's the kind of stuff that a caregiver has to worry about. And so I, I think that's every bit as hard as, as it is to actually go through the treatment. I agree with you. And that's why I think you're seeing more um, caregiver support, um, and recognition and relief. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that you did the hospice, you know, that, that mainly is to relieve the caregiver, even just to let them, allow them to go do what they need to do. And sometimes they're exhausted and really need the support. Even things like housekeeping or pet sitting, they, people will call me and say, can you help me with this? And I will do everything I can to find them someone to lessen their burden as they go through it. The caregivers are wow. really, really necessary, but should be handled with care because their they, yes. their journey is, is different, but equally hard. Right. Right. And the one thing I remember about hospice that the nurses all of our field nurses, they were hit quite hard because they would become good friends mm-hmm. with not just the patient, but the families. Family. Mm-hmm. And, and we would have, the, every month they had something for them. Yeah. And that is important. We've actually, we've actually worked with a, a new hospice group um, in providing grief support meetings and activities, whereas we try to take on the Instead of having it be, you know, let's let's talk about our grief and all of that, we've kind of just incorporated some minor activities. Like we had rock painting, and and uh-huh. I knew you would bring uh, up art. <laughs> There's your art comment. So that was my idea. I made a rock. It it wasn't pretty, but my idea and pulling that all together just to give them something to do and and feel like they had people who. They could relate to if they found a connection with them and not 
not necessarily make it about grief. Uh, we did an activity where someone came in and, and showed them how how fun it is to make greeting cards and the supplies that you need. Done little activities. So the one we have coming up, I am super excited about. We're going to go to that healing garden that's here in Mesquite. I've not been to it, but what I know is that it's it's free to anyone to come. And it's it's labyrinth, rock art. There's a, a garden of some sort that has a special meaning. They have a salt room where you can do things, but mainly it's based around meditation and peace and spirituality, things like that. But that was another idea that we came up with to invite the, the grief support to come and do because a lot of them are spouses and now they're they're single and they're making new friends and so it, it's kind of more than just a sit-down grief group, and that's what we've been we've been doing. It's been fun. I I mean I have lots of ideas. I wanna I wanna bring in music. I think I think music is well. It's one of my passions, and and I think it's very healing. And I think there's ways to use it that can be fun, educational. I have a brother who's quite an artist and he's a school teacher and he even used his music to teach math because people can sing an equation or a rule regarding math that they wouldn't necessarily remember if they were just reading it or trying to memorize it. Music therapy is on my list of things to do. Also, another one of my passions is animals, specifically dogs. I've worked with the shelter and some of the rescue groups. I want to somehow incorporate for our clients the ability to see how healing animals can be, especially those people that are alone. And believe it or not, that's we have a lot of clients that are in that situation. They're alone. Not that I'm promoting adoption. It's that I want people to see how even visiting the shelter or going to an adoption event can be healing. And and right. lift their spirits, and and it's a good distraction. And believe it or not, I I think dogs specifically they know more than we do. You've heard stories out there where people will uh, have been have been diagnosed after, in retrospect, they they had seen their dog acting different or uh, based on their smell. And, and there's, I believe that they have senses that we don't necessarily have or, or deeper senses. And after people are diagnosed, they can look back and say, you know, the, the dog was act, acting different in certain ways. So anyway, there's my mind going, going to ideas of how to help people see that there are a lot of things that can help in and heal outside of even education or just reading or something that takes their mind out of, out of the, the journey for just a short period of time really helps people. Oh, I think all those sound wonderful. I, I agree too with, with, I have dogs and I had uh, different dogs when I was going through treatment and I just, I can't even talk about it because I will get too emotional, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I, I think, man, you, you know, and, and you hear all these stories kind of trite, but 
you come home from a bad day and there's your dog and right. they love you more than anything. Right. And they're so, we call it happy feet at my, my house. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, my dogs just have happy feet when we come home and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if my hair is not done right. or, you know what I mean? If I'm looking bad or anything, I know. Man, they are, they are so excited to see me. Right. And, and I think they're stress sponges. They just, they kind of take it all away from us. And no matter what we do, they love us and they make it okay. Right. So I, I, I really pre- appreciate that you, that you use that as well as a type of therapy. Right. Right. I mean, you've seen therapy dogs and there, it is a real thing, you know, where animals can be therapeutic just simply in petting them. Those are some things that, that I'm, I'm working on. And like I say, I, I have a lot of ideas. I find ways to make them happen, even if it's not, you know, my expertise. It's fun to be able to help people and help them see different ways to to cope with what they're dealing with. If we can right. ever help at the art gallery with any collaboration, you, you have two friends at oh, the yeah. art gallery. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. You, you may have other friends at the nope, art gallery. No, I, I don't. Um, uh, but my mother used to love going there, and we would just look, and, and she she bought so many things from there. And I, I actually have two pieces at my house now that are something I can't, I can't part with because they're so original and unique. I love that place. So yes, thank you for the offer, and it is on a recording, right? <laughs> it's, on, it's on a recording, <laughs> <laughs> and they won't be like Rochelle, Steve. What are you promising? No, because they are very giving. They're, they, you know, they're also a nonprofit. Yeah, I think. Everyone who belongs there has all kinds of interests in, and we volunteer. And so we're already in that volunteer spirit. Steve and I, you know, just through being through the gallery and doing the podcast have met some great people that, that then we've gone on to help mm-hmm. uh, or and volunteer with. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, definitely. I think you could find a wealth of just different types of um, ideas from there, different people who want to volunteer, right. you know, different, even other fundraising things that maybe we could help with. That would be great. So, yeah, I think they would also be a great resource. Right. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Mary, I know you have a cancer story as well. Would you mind sharing that with us? No, not at all. Yes, I, when I was 50 years old, I um, actually, my gynecologist found a mole. He said, what in the world is that? And I said, it's a bad mole. And he sent me straight over to the dermatologist. The dermatologist said, we got to get that out of you today. I'm like, oh wow, wow, okay. He took it out. So, so I've had other moles removed. This was more than a removal. This was, they actually cut out, you know, an inch or so um, square. The results were they didn't get all the margins, and I was in stage three B melanoma. And that was (laughs) thought I was just going with gynecologist doing my duty because. My mother was a breast cancer survivor two different times in her life. She had breast cancer, so that was one thing that my mother focused on. And quite honestly, that at that time, I went because she had said, okay, is it time to go? And I said, well, you know what? I think it is. That's how I ended up realizing the condition I was in. 
So I had a surgery, took out a, a pretty big chunk, said that they got it all. And I started on immunotherapy in Vegas, was told about the Mesquite Cancer Help Society. And I had obviously no idea. I had only been in Mesquite for a couple of years. So anyway, they they assisted with fuel reimbursement to get me to my appointments in Vegas. Anyway, I progressed. It had metastasized into my lymph nodes, started treatment again. They had to stop the treatment because one of the things about immunotherapy is instead of killing all the cells and then building them back up as chemotherapy does, immunotherapy kind of goes in and blasts the cells to make them stronger because melanoma is an actually an autoimmune type of cancer. Immunotherapy is very different, but because it ramps up your cells so much, the downside of it is causes organ damage. That's oh, wow. what I was facing. So the doctor said, you're you're not in great shape as far as the cancer, but he wouldn't continue the treatment because it was causing damage, which he said was every bit as dangerous. I was, I, I existed to, to some degree. It was a blur. Then I found out it had again metastasized into my lungs. And at that point, I was in stage four, 53 years old no treatment. I really thought it was very likely that it, it it was going to be the end. And I have to say that my mother had a very hard time with it. She actually reached out unbeknownst to me at the time I was going through cancer. She actually started going to grief support because she thought she was going to need some tools Okay, I'm getting emotional. Sorry. Uh, you stop or go on whatever okay. you want. I, I'm actually crying more because it was so... Um, for my mother to do that and, like I say, not know, it shows me how how hard it was on her. And, in fact, I think it was harder on her than it was on me. And I think I know that in my heart. Um so, you know, kind of coming back full circle with the whole support thing and the, the family, I can really relate to that. Here we are. I'm still here. I've been, I was actually recommended to the Mesquite Cancer Help Society through the, the person that worked here at the time, the mental health therapist that I was seeing because I was struggling, and so they they kind of approached me and said, "You you might want to apply. They're looking for for someone to work here." And at that point, I I was like, "I don't I." I was told, you know, you're basically you're, you you could possibly die. And then my next appointment said, "We don't know what happened, but you are clear." So then oh I, w gosh. I was in remission and I have a lot of friends that refer to me as a walking miracle. And while I don't want to give myself any credit for that, I can see that there is an element of, well, then how, why are you still here? Or how did, how did that happen with no treatment? Right. Um, right. My faith leads me to believe that obviously there's a reason I'm here and I, to some degree, I'm still trying to figure out 
exactly what that is, but maybe I don't need to know exactly what that is. I think I'm here to to be the best that I can be. And um, so anyway, that's my journey. I, I, I feel that that, that does help me in, in what I do here for our clients. But one thing I've learned and maybe a takeaway for anybody who might be listening, when somebody is struggling um, or going through cancer to say, I understand exactly where you are. I understand what, what you're going through. I've learned that even though cancer is cancer, everybody's different as different as we are people. And you can't, you can't say, I understand. You can say, you know, what your experience was, or you, you can feel that you understand, but to tell somebody, you know, what they're feeling exactly is what I found is kind of a big lesson for me. Right. But at the same time, I can look back and say, yeah, I remember when they told me and then I was like, well, am I having surgery first or do I do treatment? How do I know? Who's going to tell me? What's a CT? What's a PET scan? Why do I need them? I mean, it was it was chaotic. And I had a whole bunch of family support and friend support. I had a, like an army around me. But there are a lot of people who don't have anyone. So anyway, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And the reason I didn't want to share my story about my Mary Smith name earlier, I'm going to tell you now because one day I was at the oncologist's office, and I was sitting in the office waiting for the doctor to come in. And he comes in, and he's rolling this cart, which my doc, my oncologist had never done, and so I, it was was different. And it wasn't my oncologist. And he starts talking and flipping through his computer and I said I'm sorry but are are you a new doctor or are you filling in for my doctor and he goes no I'm your doctor I'm like okay I did take mar- medical marijuana when I was going through <laughs> cancer but I was I was not high and I I'm like no you are not my doctor I I do know the difference and Anyway, it took a couple of minutes, and he finally realized, um, he, he looked at me strangely, and then got up, took his cart, and walked out. The next thing I hear is him reprimanding a medical assistant because he, we had the same name, but he said to his medical assistant, her name is Mary Smith, but the girl in there is not 86 years old. And she doesn't weigh 110 pounds. And <laughs> I got a big kick out of that. But I felt bad for the medical assistant because he just went to the wrong Mary Smith. So that was my Mary Smith story. I didn't want to bring up until I had had my story about my cancer journey. It was a good laugh. The doctor didn't think it was that funny. But I thought it was hilarious. You are not 86 and you don't weigh 110. And I said, okay, Captain Obvious, you know. Here we go. Well, well, and, at least they weren't going to replace your knee or something. Right? Get exactly. The wrong Mary Smith. Exactly. <laughs> well, okay, I have one more story I have to tell you that's really scary, which is why I'm always going to tell people to take somebody to an appointment with you for any illness, for any surgery, for anything. So, long story short, second surgery, went into this room. There was two guys, they were fumbling. They said, it's on her back. And I said, 
no, actually my cancer's on my abdomen. So then I guess they didn't listen to me because then they started to share with me what they were going to do and that they had to hold me down so as to not have me move at all when they struck me with something that was going to be very painful, but very short lived. Well, he wanted to do it in my breast. And I, I typically I'm not um, assertive enough to question people. So I kind of just go along with it. But I said, you know, why would you put it in my breast? And he goes, well, that's what we do with people, uh, women who have breast cancer. And I said, I do not have breast cancer. And he, so not only did they have the place on my body wrong, they had me down as breast cancer and I was going to be getting something in my breast that wasn't, thank goodness they hadn't put me under yet because who knows yeah. what what I'd have been doing. It's a little scary story. Okay. And that's why um, you have to be your own patient advocate. You have to find someone who will be your patient advocate if you can't do it. It it can be, you know, and, and I'm not blaming anyone because they're doing what they know to do. But anyway, Holy it's kind moly. of an eye-opening experience. Yeah. So um, take good care of yourself and don't be afraid to stand up and say, you know, I'm not understanding this. This seems odd to me. Or, or if, even if you're wrong, say, I might be wrong, but, you know, here's what I think. And I don't think my breast is involved in this, you know? Okay, so oh, wow. it, makes, is... it makes a little more sense then when I had my last Achilles operation that they gave me a marker and said, mark the Achilles that's bad. I'm like, yeah, come on, you know which one it is. Aha. Uh -huh. They get, they, you know, it's root, it. it we think it's all about us, but to them, it's routine. And that's not to knock doctors. I work for a group of oncologists. They're very beautiful, caring people. But they're just doing their job, and, and they don't know what we know because they're not us. So, yeah, I can see why they would mark it. And I would, I would, I'm just really glad I hadn't been put under yet because who knows where I'd have ended up. Yeah, really? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's very scary. <laughs> It wouldn't have been in a good place. No, nope. I don't think I'd have benefited much no. from that surgery. But anyway, and one quick comment I have as far as having an advocate with you is, I know that when I was going through it, first, especially once I was in chemo, and and I had five different operations through my year, and you're so sick and you're so scared. And at least for me, my brain shuts off when that happens and I'm kind of in myself only worrying and scared and panicked. The events around me are kind of fuzzy. And so I don't even know if I would have been with it enough to recognize that yeah. what they were saying didn't even make sense. And, and so I think it's great to have someone who's a little more sane <laughs> always with you right. and they're going to remember more. Right. They're going to, they're going to know to ask the questions. They're going to delve deeper and they're going to remember. I think when I'm nervous or scared, everything just kind of flies right by me. Right. And right. You know, as soon as you leave the office, it's like, oh, my gosh, I don't remember anything of what they said to do or right. what's going to happen to me. So, yeah. So, so I that's, really, I yeah, that's, that's really one good. thing I always advise people who come in initially. I, I'm like, get a big folder because you're going to have a lot of paperwork. Keep track of everything because don't assume that the doctor's office is going to. You know, those kinds of things. And that's just based on me having gone through that 
um, myself. So, so yeah, that's my journey. And, um, at this point I'm still in remission to, as far as I know. And, um, my next appointment is in November for, for my So exams. how many years ago was, how many years ago was this that you've um, had that mole? Um, six years ago. So it was just after ago. my 50th birthday. Yeah. And I just, and I'm 56. So, so wow. yeah. Well, congratulations. Um, thank you. That's huge. Thank you. It's a, uh, it was one thing I can tell you is I know for a fact, I did not have it near as bad as a lot of people I've seen. And I very much appreciate that but I understand, I can see it in people and I can kind of gauge just for myself how, how really horrible it is for them. Because some people get sicker than others and, you know, some people handle it better, better than others. And I've, I'm very grateful, but my heart goes out and that's why I want to help people so much. It's just my heart, my heart, my heart gets me every time. <laughs> I just want everybody to well, be okay. Well, and I think it's it's to everyone's benefit then that, that comes in to see you guys, that both you and Yoli have, have had these experiences. And then, like you said, you can't completely understand what people are going through, but you definitely can have a pretty good idea. Right. And um, and so I, I think that is anybody you're helping is just to their benefit. Right. Well, that you're able to share in some of that experience. Right, right. Yeah, it's um it's a very rewarding job, but I can tell you it's it gets heavy at times because I I feel I feel so much and um right it's not so heavy that I can't handle it, but I like to acknowledge the fact that it does get heavy for me. Right. It's kind of oh, like I when imagine. I when I worked at the animal shelter, it was very heavy. For me to walk away and not take them all home, I had to figure out my purpose in that. That's what I'm doing here, and I, I still think that it's the good far outweighs the bad, and and it's just because I I feel so much, and I don't think I'm ever going to change. <laughs> well, I hope not. And you know what? I have to. I applaud you for what you're doing, and man, I, I I'm sure you have changed so many lives and made given comfort where it seems like there isn't any. And I, I think just bless you for, for willing to give your time and your emotions, because like you said, it's, it's gotta be so much of a weight that you have that you carry and you take home with you. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that the community has been, been given a, a huge gift for, from you and Yoli to be able to pro- provide all these services. Thank you. And thank you to this wonderful community for coming out to our events, for recognizing that we, very small local group, this community is, is unlike any other that I've been a part of. So thank you guys for that. Well, sure. And hopefully this podcast can help get the word out and we can help mm-hmm. um, anybody who doesn't know about your center that, that now they do know. And if they're looking for help or, or know someone who needs some, that they can know that locally there is a place and a wonderful place. Right, right, definitely. They, I'm, I'm here in the office on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I am able to respond to messages even outside of those hours. Something I took on myself because 
for example, somebody needs a ride on Monday morning and we haven't been open since Thursday, you know, I possibly could coordinate that for them, even though it might be outside of our, our office hours. Well, sometimes jobs are more than a job. Yes, it, it is. I don't consider it a job. I, I'm considering it, um, it's, it's a, somewhere where I'm needed and I can learn so much. So it's two-way. It's, it's not about me and, and getting a paycheck by any means. It's just, um, I really enjoy it. My passion, I, I, it's fulfilled here because my passion or my strength, I think, and purpose is I'm a helper. I want to help people. And I do my best to do that. I'm sure glad I got in touch with you. I am sure glad you did, too even though you're still on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mary, I think you are a superhero. I think, yeah, I can't say enough. I, I think this is just wonderful what you're doing and what a sweet person you are, and you are in the right position. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. And I I, I believe that I am in the right place. This This little corner, this little office in Mesquite, in our little town, just radiates good. Yes. And that's because of you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I feel it in my finger. I feel it in my toe. For anybody that might be listening that's local, if you have ideas or you want to volunteer for one month and work on a project, I I am very open and and want want to see people getting involved. Sometimes I'm not quite sure how to get people involved, so that's why I'm, it's kind of an invitation. If somebody has an idea and says, you know, for for instance, I was approached by somebody who said we're going to be doing a Zumba class. We're raising money for you guys, and here's the dates. And I just thought, well, bless your heart. I mean. Somebody, somebody thought of it. Somebody did it. Somebody reached out to let me know. What a wonderful thing um, to do to do that to to donate money to us. But again, if people have ideas or want to reach out in any way, I I'm very open. Appreciate the support. Yes. So we have a web page and a Facebook page, and that's all Mesquite Cancer Help Society. I'm typically the one that's going to be here or responding. I'm happy to help. Is there anyone else that volunteers here as far as staffing? and? No. This is kind of a new way of doing things. So so typically there was a, a way back it was a voluntary job. And so three three or four people handled what needed to be handled. And then when I came on four years ago... Um, it was it was more or less to cover the office, but then I also took over the accounting. And so it's kind of blossomed into and I do the public speaking and the things like that 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 typically Yoli's always done, but she decided she, she kinda wanted to take a step step back. She'll always be the founder. She's she's still on the board, but she stepped down from um her her active role even though she's still quite active um in it so so this position that i have here now is 
is kind of, it's something new because it's a, kind of like a one man show, but not really. We do have, we do have people that I call on to help with events. We, we do have, I do have family and friends who help. We do have a lot of volunteer help, but anybody else who wants to, to offer the, up their, their something that they're good at, I'm open to all of that. That would be awesome. Well, hope, hopefully we can help there. I think you can. Mary Grace, what has inspired you this week? A lot of things inspired me this last week. But off the top of my head, um, sitting on my back patio, watching how the blossoms are blooming and it's so green and and realizing that summer is a little bit different, you know, than where I'm, I come from in northern Utah and, and experiencing the blossoms and things that I typically would get in, in springtime, I'm kind of seeing now at the, um, going into fall. It's just that, that easy light feeling of crisp purple flowers next to the orange and yellow and, and beyond it is the green and, and just taking all that in. And that inspired me I don't, it didn't necessarily inspire me to do anything, but it inspired me to recognize beauty and that there's beauty in everything. We just need to slow down and be a little more open to seeing it because it's there. I would say you must have seen one of her paintings. Have you seen her painting? No. Well, <laughs> in town, the electric boxes. Those are hers? Those are hers. Oh, wow. Those are awesome. I did not know that was you. Very nice. And I hope, I always hope that whoever sees them, it brings a smile to their it face. It does. Just with the color, colors and flowers. and mm -hmm. um, Because that, that too is what I'm inspired by is beauty and nature and, you know, just all the colors that you can see and um, any time of year too. Right. Awesome. Okay. But Mary hasn't asked you what you're inspired by. Is that your answer? No. Rochelle, what's inspired you this past week? I have been involved in creating and painting a mural over at the Friends of Gold Butte office. Uh, we are doing three of the walls that are in there. One wall is mostly windows, but um, it's been absolutely a blast doing it. I have yet to do a mural, and so this has been a great experience for me as far as designing and gathering supplies and learning which supplies we did need and didn't need and, and how to do the colors on such a big scale. And, but the best part I have found is Steve and his son came to volunteer. There are other volunteers there today helping since I can't be there to finish it. So we have other people coming in and that has been the funnest part for me. I mean, I've really enjoyed doing it. It went pretty fast and it looks great to walk in and see color and, uh, just fun stuff. But I think the camaraderie of some doing something like this has just been really inspiring. And mm -hmm. I've really enjoyed that part of it. So thank you again, Steve. Steve put in two 12-hour days with me and we had a great time, even though we were both exhausted. And I think it's just amazing what hard work and then hard work between friends, mm -hmm. what you can produce. 
So, it, so it, hopefully, you know, it'll turn out and we can show everyone. <laughs> it, it was it was a little fun. So, and I'll say that at twelve fifteen one morning, I said, "What do you think?" You said, "I'm still going. I'm still going. We can go. We can go." <laughs> at twelve thirty, she said, "That's it. I'm done." <laughs> it was a light switch, but it turned off. <laughs> oh, good for you guys. Okay, Steve, what has inspired you this week? Oh, uh, it's what's inspired me right this second. I get to sit here with two heroes. And I'm going to get all teary and everything. Aww. What you two went through and the bravery and what you've done for your families and for yourself and for other people is just amazing. Thank you. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate well, thank that. you. And that's it for the art with box. That? Yeah. Thank Mary, you, Mary. Yeah. Mary Grace, who was, um, when we started this, was like, all of our victims. I mean, yes. <laughs> she was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be. Now she's dancing and everything well, else. So. Well, you know, I, I, I'm comfortable now. I didn't know what to expect. I, I hope, I hope that somebody gets something, something out of our conversation. Cause I know I did. Yeah, and I think. They oh, will. I'm sure. Me too. All right, you guys, thank you very much. Thanks, Mary. Thank you. Great to get to know you. Thank you so much. Stop by when you get in town. Okay. Okay. Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, visit us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com.